Welcome back for another week. Our learning is dedicated to Lishbli, Blay Nishmat, Rivka, Bad Yaakov, Alevi, Lucy, Maya, and Rina D. Our full year sponsors, Naomi Nitzi Hallander, Complete Rafua for All Cholim, Michelle and Gary Friedman, in memory of Hannah Malka, Bad David, and Rafua Shlema for Rachel, Meryl Hinda, Bad Miriam Rivka. Our half year sponsor, Rafua Shlema for Menucha Tova, Bad Shashana, Chava Devora. Our Spotify sponsor, Rafua Shlema for all those injured in Eretz Yisrael. Safe return of the Chaylim and the Chatufim. Um, and a refuah shleima as always for Yedidi Chaimid of Yibrucha Chaya, Brach Vigalva, Srachal Gita, Tila Batya, Bat Chayatova, Shimon Men Elkan, Shadokhan for all those in need. We move on to Parakud Bet, and Parakud Bet is Shmuel's speech. In a certain sense, Shmuel's going to say goodbye to the Jewish people, but he's not really going to say goodbye. It sounds like it's his farewell speech, but we'll see at the very end, Shmuel does something unique that we don't really see in any of the other leaders of the Jewish people. And so his goodbye is is more like, it's not goodbye, but farewell for now. And so what happens? Shmuel says, I hear you. I listen to your voices, to everything that you have said to me. And I have made a king for you. Now, it seems very strange. And this is something we spoke about at the beginning, but it's it's, nest, it's I think it's important just to circle back for a little bit. We go back and forth. A king is good, a king is bad. A king is good, a king is bad. At the end of it, Aleph, we seem to leave on a high. The people are like, long live the king. Shaul passes the test because there's the possibility for friction where people call out, let's get those people that were morid b'malchut, maybe, those people that were negative against you. And Shmuel says, no. As Shaul says, no, we're not going to. Today is a day of happiness, and we can't in any which way mar it with something bad. So that's great. So what happens? Shmuel now all of a sudden is like, well, you know, I heard you and I gave you a king. Is it good or is it bad? So this is actually uh, Rav Bezak's idea, which he quotes from Rav Breuer, is this idea of this Shneashito. That there's two things going on. We're balancing these two conflicting ideas. King is good. King is bad. When king is good, we're talking about the ideal. And when we talk about the ideal, how do we do it? We do it in a positive way. But when we look at the king in a negative way, so then we actually do it in a way where it's seeping with negativity. And so that's really what we have here. So we're told, I gave you a king. Vata. And now the king is going before you. And I'm old. Rashi says, That all of a sudden, Shmuel became old suddenly. He wasn't really old. We, we say that he died at 52, and there's at least a little bit more time before he dies. So Rashi says he, he became old. The Radak suggests um, that Seva is older than Zikna. He's not a Seva. He's not super old. Although in the end, he's going to say the Savti. I became old. So it's, I became old and I'm really old. He was only 52 when he was nervous. He didn't want people to say that he ended up dying young. So God made him look old. Now, why does he choose to, to die early? 
He doesn't have to die early. He chooses to die early because he doesn't want to see Shaul go off. When Shaul's kingship, a little bit of a spoiler alert, goes south pretty quickly, he doesn't want to be alive to witness that. So he asks God to make him old, but he doesn't want people to think that he's punished by God. So God made him look very old. We, they didn't live in a society where people kept tabs on people the same way it is nowadays, where you can Google and find out how old someone is, how wealthy someone is, all these details. Back then it was, uh, okay, I don't know. Shmuel looks really, really old. Why? He's 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 ailing, he's moving slower, okay? zikna. Old age kind of crept up on him. So he says that, my sons are still with you. So what exactly is going on in here? Going on here? So the Malbim actually says, he wants to know, what is Shmuel's goal in this speech? So he says, After I said, I gave you what you wanted, but now I have a, I have a time on you. I have complaints. They, they sin in two ways. Two ways when they ask for a king. Neged kavod Shmuel, number one, it's a, it's a personal affront to Shmuel. He was fired. I, I was a shofate for all these years and now gone. And then, and then it's against God. The fact that they were willing to trade in the kingship of heavens with a king of Basar Vadam. Our entire peric, everything that we are going to learn tonight, today, whenever, this whole peric is really an attack on those two things. First off, I want you to know that you did wrong by me. That's one. Two, you did wrong by God. Okay. So now, the question is, it sounds like Shmuel is this abolish the monarchy. He's carrying this banner. So why is it? Why would he feel that way? So one possibility is, it's personal. What would the personal part be? The end of the pasuk. My sons are still available. They are working for you. You could have had them. Rupazak points out that it's clear from this that he's not over the fact that they rejected his sons. Okay, so that's one possibility. The other possibility, though, is it's ideologically driven, where he's saying, He says, listen, I was there for you from my youth until now. Really, literally from his youth. Shmuel was consecrated to God as a almost newborn. Okay, he comes in when he's weaned, so maybe he's two years old. He lives his entire life in the Mishkan. He lives his entire life in the service of God, in the presence of God, and at the service of the people. He says, but I'm not, I didn't do this for myself. I have an my ideology was that God is everything. And if Hashem imloch leolam va'ed, why do I need a king? Wouldn't a shofet, wouldn't a navi suffice? He's not saying I need to be it, but he's saying the institution that I represent, wouldn't that be sufficient? Isn't that good enough? Why do you need a king? That's his question. And then he continues in Pasuk Gimel, 
And you rebelled against me, against God, and against his um, his Mishicho, the one that was anointed. And he says, It sure me lakachti, vechamor me lakachti, but me a shakti, it me ratsoti, me ad me lakachti, kofer, valime nai bova shivachem. He says, Listen, I want to know, did I ever take a, a, an, an axe from you, a donkey? Did I ever take advantage of you? Did I do anything wrong or improper? Did I take any bribes? Did I turn my eyes away from you? And he says, and if I did, let me know. I want someone. <coughs> I want someone to speak up right now. This is actually the Haftorah for one of the parashiot in Bamidbar. Why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu is bothered by the same thing. He says, I did everything for you. I gave you all my I gave you my all. I never took anything. It's similar language. So he says, Why? Why do you need this? Moshe Rabbeinu and Shmuel are both bothered by the same thing. If you're asking for something other than me, then what are you essentially doing? It's a vote of no confidence in me. He's going to lecture the Jewish people. Now he's going to give them a bit of rebuke. And his first point is, I did everything L'shem Shemayim. I never took anything at all from you. Why does he have to do that? I think what he's trying to get across is, I'm credible. He has to vouch for his credibility. Once he vouches for his credibility, he can say whatever he wants. But if he doesn't have that credibility, what happens? The people say, ah, you know, you, you Shmuel are mouthing off to us, but why? For what reason? <coughs> why should we listen to you? There's no reason at all to listen to you. So Shmuel is saying, first, I want you to know. And I want you not only to know, but I want you to acknowledge. I want you all to testify that I gave it my all and I never took anything at all. I'm currently learning Nehemia with some of the people in this group as well. And in Nehemia, he actually tries to do the same thing also. What he wants everyone to know is, I never, ever, ever took what is due to me as the leader. Moshe Rabbeinu could have said, listen, there's got to be in the budget my my chauffeur, my rides. He went from Midian. He had to relocate his family from Midian back to Mitzrayim. Do you know how many contracts of presidents of big companies and universities? There's a there's a, a moving fee. It's it's part of their package. We're going to relocate you. Why? Because we need you to be here. Moshe Benu says, "I did it on my own tab." Shmuel says, "I went around the country for years, teaching, judging, inspiring, helping." There's no Uber. The tab was on my dime also. Why? Because Shmuel needs it to be clear to everyone, a thousand percent, that he never took advantage of the people. So listen to Pasuk Dalid. Pasuk Dalid is what he needs to hear. Vayomru, they say, Lo ashaktanu, velo ratzotanu, velo ishmumat. You didn't do anything. Shmuel, you are as above board as possible. That's exactly what he wants. 
פסק ה' ויאמר אליהם עיד השם בכם ועיד משיחו היום הזה כאילו מצאתם ידים אומה ויאמר עיד. So he says there should be this should be testimony by God that I did the right thing. Rashi says בת כל יוצאת ואומרת עיד. It's actually the it's God saying I confirm. It's not only that the people say yeah Shmuel you were good. God comes and testifies. God says Shmuel was something special. I think that what's clear from Shmuel's speech is it is not personal. He's not saying that I really think that I was treated poorly. My, my final good, goodbye party was not what it should have been. It's all ideologically driven. He's saying, I believe in this concept. What's this concept I believe in? The concept I believe in is the eternity of God. God is where it's all at. You don't need a king. You don't need to be like everyone else. That's what he believes in. And that's what this speech is going to try very hard to continue to hammer home. Now, why does he bring up his sons? We offered the possibility of Bazak that he's disappointed. That, by the way, on the screen is the disappointed emoji. Perhaps there's another answer as well. So he says, This is a dat mikra. He says, listen, I want you to know, my sons will always be there for you. They're judging, they're teaching. Maybe you have to go to Be'er Sheva to them, but they're there. That's the Radak. They're there. Whatever you need. They're going to be there for They are there for the king. Shmuel of concern. His concern was that one day people will come to his son and say, you know why we didn't choose you? We didn't choose you because your father was the problem. Your father didn't do the right thing. Your father wasn't above board. He needs a dude. He needs testimony in front of everyone. His sons including, they're here right now. Say in front of them that I didn't, I didn't lose the job. You chose a different path. I didn't do anything wrong. It's not on me. It's interesting. Why does Shmuel have to even do this? Why does Shmuel care? What's the purpose of this? I think perhaps you could suggest the following. The leaders of the Jewish people know that they are going to be spoken about for generations to come. And so if there's even a little bit, even a little taste of something that they did wrong, it's a chil Hashem on their part, not for now, but forever. I think it's possible that Shmuel wants to, te- he wants to attest that his name is clear because he wants to make sure that there's not going to be a Navi group that's going to learn in 2,000 years or 3,000 years or however many thousands of years. They're going to learn Sefer Shmuel and say, oh, you know what? Shmuel lost it because he wasn't proper. Shmuel wants to protect his name. 
In in Perkyavot, we say that one of the crowns, one of the crowns that a person could wear is Keter Shem Tov. It's a crown of a good name. A good name really, 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 really matters. I remember it was a it was a great moment for myself years ago. I bumped into someone who was significantly older than I was. He wasn't from my parents' generation. He was from my grandparents' generation. And uh, I was talking to him because, you know, we had a common acquaintance. His child was uh, was close to me. So we were talking and he said, you know, we play Jewish geography because that's what you have to do. And he he said, I know your grandparents. And your grandfathers were really Ehrlich people. Keter Shem Tov. Just felt so good to hear. It's someone who doesn't have to, but someone to tell you, you know what? I want you to know that your descendants, or actually your ancestors rather, were just good people. It's a great feeling. But Shmuel is not protecting his legacy of, okay, the Merrill family. I... I Generations will come and go. It's time will pass. He's protecting his legacy that's going to be written in a book that will be canonized as part of Tanakh. I think that that's perhaps a part of why Shmuel feels that he needs to bring up his sons. So what's interesting is in Pasa Gimel, going back a little bit, he uses the word lakach four times. What did I take? No shore. No donkey. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Why does he bring up these four things? So if you if you think about it, Shmuel actually gives a speech back in Parakhet. In Parakhet, he gives a speech called Mishpat HaMelech. He says, I want you to know, you want a king? This is what you're getting. This is what you're getting in a king. A king... Will take your your will make you into servants. A king will take your daughters and they'll have to work in his palace. He'll take your animals. He'll take your donkey. Mishpat Melech. I I almost feel like it's like the video game at the um at the arcade. The claw, right? What happens? The claw goes down. What's it going to grab? Will it grab your sons and turn them into servants? Will it grab you and turn you into slaves? Your daughters, and they're going to work as the cooks and the and the kitchen staff and the cleaning staff and the, the people that will make the spices. You can take your animals to work their fields and to move them around. That's Mishpat HaMelech. Sh- Shmuel is saying, that's Lakach, Lakach, Lakach. It says it there four times. But I'm telling you why. I didn't take any of this. None, not a little bit. He's contrasting himself. He's purposely using language to contrast. You have a choice. You could have a king. You could have me. But I didn't take anything. Not a dime. Not a thing. Never once. But the king, the king is going to choose a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. Okay. So now what happens? We're going to move on. Shmuel says to the nation, God, Asher Asa. It's strange language. What does it mean? Asher Asa. That made Moshe and Aaron. The Mepharshim struggle with this. 
They're forced to add words in to make it work. Asher sat Moshe v'tarom. Rashi says, "Liot nichonim l'shlichuto." Marie Cross says, "Asap is what he made them shluchim." Asher sat et Moshe v'tarom shluchim. He made them messengers. The Radak says, "Asher higdilam." The language of Asher sat is that he he nurtured them to be in the right place to be your leaders. Okay. All possibilities. <coughs> the important thing to note and to start noting is that Shmuel's speech has a certain awkwardness to it. And by awkward, I mean Shmuel is an orator par excellence. He is a person that doesn't stick any ums into his speeches. He's not struggling for the right word. He speaks so fluently with such fluidity. He's a master speaker. And yet, in this parak, there's a lot of psukim that don't have that consistency. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is why? So keep any time you read a puzzle and you're like, I don't know, it seems not to, to flow well, keep in mind, add that to the tally. And hopefully at the end, we'll be able to answer and explain why that is. He says, I want, I want to go over. Let's do a review. All the good things God has done to you. Yaakov came to Egypt. And we know that his, his stay in Egypt is quick. He dies not that long after getting there. Maybe he's, he's alive, I believe, for another 17 years. But after he dies, it, it snowballs quickly and the Jewish people find themselves in a really bad place. But your, your forefathers cried out to God. And Hashem sent Moshe Aaron. And what? They took them out. They were taken out of Egypt and brought to this place. You're here in this place. Eretz Yisrael as a result of God. But you forgot God. He put you in the hands of Sisra, the mighty king of Chatzor, in the hands of the Plishtim, in the hands of Moab, and you fought, they fought against you. Now it's interesting that he picks these three people, Sisra, the Plishtim, and the king of Moab. Why these three? Could be that he chooses these three because these are some of the more formidable opponents that the Jewish people have faced in Sefer Shoftim. Hashem, you called out to God, and you said we sinned and we forgot God. And we worship these idols. Baal, Ashtarot. These are the gods, the god and goddess of fertility that are the gods that the Canaanim worship. And you saved us. We'll worship you. God sends Yerubal. Yidon. And who else? And Bidan. He sent who? Gedon. Bidan. Yivtach. Shmuel, me, that Mikra points out that Moshe Rabbeinu also does this. He speaks about himself in third person. 
And God saved you from the enemies around, and you sit in happiness, you sit in security, you sit in comfort. What's interesting is, first off, who is Bidan? By uh, who's Bidan that's in here? Uh, why does he matter? That's one. But also, the the, the Shoftim that Shmuel aligns himself with, Gedon, Bidan, and Yivtach. These are not, we don't know who Bidan is yet. We'll answer that in a little bit. But Gidon and Yiftach are not the best of the Shoftim. <coughs> we know Shoftim that really mad, that really are like, wow, Adniel ben Knaz, he's a tzaddik. Adniel ben Knaz is a Talmud Chacham. Eib ben Geira seems to be a good person. Gidon, not so much. Yiftach, Oivei. Who's Bidan though? So here's a couple possibilities. One possibility is Bedan is Shimshon. Shemishavet Dan Ba. Bedan. Ba-dan. He came from Dan. Another possibility is Avdon and Hillel, who's one of like the minor Shoftim. Another possibility is he's another Shofet named Bedan. And he's mentioned maybe in Divrei Yamim. But he's he's not, even though we think that these are all the Shoftim, perhaps there were more Shoftim. These were the Shoftim that were written down because they matter forever. But Bidan is like, he's whatever. He's enough of a footnote that he makes in the Rehavim, that's who he is. And the last possibility is he's Barak. Barak, who is the one that fights against Sisra. Now, why is it? Now, Marikra anyway says, look, this whole thing, this whole thing is a little bit wild. What in the world is going on? Why does he put it here? Says the Marikra. This is like an amazing, amazing shot. He says that the reason why he chooses these three, he picks the three most incredible of the enemies. And yet, when it comes to the Shoftim, he picks those that are less. Why? He says, He's kir shmuel merov, shelo devora. He says, I'm not even like Devora. I'm just a, reg- a regular guy. Not like Ehud Ben Geira, who is a Meyuchas, a distinguished person. And it says, Someone who is not taken, ideally. V'chein b'shimshon, and shimshon, v'chein b'yivtach. Sh'amrlo, achiv, ben ishachar, he associates out of his humility with the lowest of the shoftim. That says the Marikra is why he picks who he picks. Again, the language is a little bit bizarre, and I think especially the the Bidan character is something that once again leaves us with this question mark of what's going on here? Why is it that this is how it's chosen for the master speaker to speak? And you noticed, you saw that Nachash, the king of Ammon, came upon you, and you said to me, Lo! We need a king. But God is your king. Mari Cross says 
that what he's saying here is, it's not enough that you sinned against me, you sinned against God too. But maybe, maybe that this, Vashem Lokechem Al Kechem, is actually a retort, almost like by narration. He's saying, this is what you asked for. But why? Again, Hashem Lokechem, Melech, you have God. This is but fine. Here it is. Now you have your king. God gave you it. If you can do the right thing, if you fear God and you worship God and you listen to his voice and you don't rebel against him, you'll have a king. It sounds like, if you do this, where is it? What's the answer in the end? So Rashi says, If you do the right thing, if everything you do is proper, this king will last for a long, long time. Not a long time, that's God, but he'll last for a long time. If you don't listen to God, and you rebel against the words of God, God will come after you and your forefathers. Doesn't Your forefathers? God will come after you and your future, the next generation. Why are you going backwards? It should be that Benechem. So Rashi says, it's the graves of your, of your, of your forefathers. They will be desecrated. And when that happens, that will be a, an attack and an embarrassment to your forefathers. That is the opinion of Rashi. The opinion of the, the uh, Radak is Bavotechem is Kmo Bemalkechem, your king. Why? The king of a nation is like the father to a child. And as it says, when Yosef becomes the viceroy of Egypt, it says, I became a king. What do they call? Avreich. It's using the language of Av, a father. So when it says, who is Bavotechem? Says the Radak, it's your kings. And then he says, And now I want you to see this great thing that God is going to do to you. So Rashi says that Shmuel is saying to him, I could have done everything for you. Why did you need a king? I could daven for anything. So I'll daven for a king. I'll daven for your salvation and your safety. That's the opinion of Rashi. That Mikra says, this speech is for the future. You say, in the future, all this will come. But now. I will show you a preview of what God has the capacity to do. God has the ability to do something that is so powerful, that is so strong, and it's coming right now. And then he says, what is it? Today, today is the rain, is the 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 day, the season to harvest the wheat. I'm going to call out to God, and you will hear thunder and rain. And you'll see that what you asked, you'll see that what you requested, that the fact that you needed a king, it was bad. So what happens is, Shmuel calls out to God, he prays to God, and God responds by bringing thunder and rain. They feared God, 
and they feared Shmuel. We have an almost identical pasuk by Kriyas Yamsuf. Read it today. It's the same thing. There are times where things happen. These things are so powerful. They are so huge that what do they do? They create an impression upon everyone that God, I got to believe in him. I think there are some bad times where that happens also, parenthetically. Because if I can't believe in God, then it's just so awful. It's I can only believe in God. Amisel is here. Why? After all these thousands of years. And that's why I know that no matter what bad things happen, and bad things will happen to the Jewish people, sadly. But I know, I know there's a God. By Aminu Bashem. I can believe in God that way. God, by Kriyas Yamsu. Interesting that both of them have a water component to them. But God smacks. He slams the enemy and they disappear. Here is not. This is a, a rain that's going to come and attack the Jewish people. You have to understand, we don't appreciate this. A, because if we live in America, rain has a completely different uh, feel to it. But also, we're not, agri- we're, not, um, we're not farmers. We don't deal with the land. If you deal with the land, you know that rain is such a delicate balance. Too much, too early, too late, completely obliterates the crap. I had the the schut, and I really do believe it. I had the schut to spend um, a couple hours this past Thursday on a farm of a real tzaddik, Avi Koch, One of our listeners uh, was there with me, um, and Avi Koch, to to listen to him talk on his farm. He's a man who's he's not a rabbi. We'll tell you that he's not a tzaddik. I disagree on that, but he'll tell you that also. But Avichai will tell you that it's so clear. This is Emunah. You have to believe. You can't not believe. That's exactly what's going on. If But if it rains early, in this case, if it rains late, they're ready up to the harvest. When it comes up to the harvest, you need dry. I cut the wheat, it dries. If I cut the wheat and it's wet, it becomes moldy and it's ruined. Again, we can't appreciate that because I go to the store and I buy my flour and I don't know what happens. We got a, a little bit of a taste of this, sadly, with the war in Ukraine. When all of a sudden we found out that so much of the world's grain and wheat, it comes from the Ukraine. So if the Ukrainian fields were destroyed and burnt down by Russia, people starve, which is horrible, horrible in so much of the world because they don't have any grain now. Uh, and for us, we found out that all of a sudden, our pri- all the prices on gr- on wheat went up. Why? Because flour comes from somewhere. We don't appreciate that so much. But he's saying it's going to rain and it's going to destroy it. And you're going to, you're going to be really understanding that what you did was wrong. We did wrong. We should not have asked. They say, chatanu. We sinned. We shouldn't have done this. He says, you know what? I want you to know that even though you did bad, it's it's fine. Don't stray away from God. You should, you should worship God with all of your heart. Why the rain? Why is that what, what we need right now? So one possibility is those last words. Where do we know that? We know that from Vayayim Shamoa. What does God say? If you do the right thing, and if you do everything that I ask for you, 
Be'ito. Be'ito is such a key word. God says, I will give you rain, but I'm going to give you rain at the right time. It's when you need the rain. Again, too much of it. Too much of it is bad. Really, 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 really bad. But if it comes at the right time, it is a bracha, the most profound bracha that one could have, especially in an agricultural society. Why threaten them with rain? Because that's what speaks to them. Who do they worship? Baal. It's the god of rain, fertility. That's what makes sense to them. God says, do the right thing. Rain is the denominator of good. Good rain, good actions. Bad rain, bad actions. That's one possibility. There's another possibility. And this possibility is an idea by Ravigal Ariel. He says, You might think that this is a last test. It's a great word. To torpedo. If you can't see the screen, you're missing out. It's a chance to torpedo the kingdom. He's not trying to bring progress back. No, we don't need a king anymore. Shmuel is doing the same thing that Moshe does. Shmuel is doing the same thing Yoshua does. It's the end. The end of his life or the end of his career. At the end of his career, he's going to give his last speech. Nowadays we have this. It's this uh, this last lecture that professors will give. It's their parting message. The, the one thing, the etzem of what he represents. Shmuel is not trying to torpedo the malucha. He, the, 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 the ship has sailed. You have a king. He's moda in his speech of a king. But he's giving one last speech, and the goal of his speech is to rededicate. Moshe Rabbeinu does this at the end. There's a covenant. Yoshua does it also. He says, I want to rededicate. L'chadesh. L'chadesh adabrit. He brings rain on, on the harvest time. That doesn't happen. He sends an unbelievable message. This is the end of the road to the kingdom, the, the king being appointed. It's not the end where you're you're free. When do you need rain? Rain comes at the beginning. When you plant with tears. Tears come from rain. Maybe that's pshat in the pasuk. If I'm planting and there is rain, hazorim bedima berina yitzoru. There's not rain at the end. What he's saying is nitman We are putting the seeds of the kingdom in the ground. Yesh levnota. You're going to build it. Ule atzva and to decorate it. Because the goal is to show this is what the kingship should be. He's 
He's saying, Shmuel is saying, you have to, you have to understand. Do not view this as the end. If you think getting a king is the end, then yeah, let the rain wipe out your crops because you're done. But if you look at it and say, this is the rain that represents the beginning. It's the rain that represents the start of things. You're planting. You're planting the seeds of greatness that will last for hundreds and thousands of years. For decades, for generations. That's what you're doing. He's not threatening them. He's simply saying to them that there is the ability for something big to happen. And then he continues, Don't turn off to the side. Because if you do you're going after nothingness. It won't help. And it won't save you. Because it's just tohu. Because God will not forsake his nation for his own name. God is vested in the Jewish people. If the Jewish people disappear, that is the ultimate Chil Hashem. Because God has sworn to make us into a nation. And Shmuel says, and don't worry, God forbid, I will stop leading you. God forbid, I will stop davening and being there for you. I will keep you on the good and righteous path. Is a pasuk that we have in Tehillim. It's interesting that Shmuel's pasuk is then later on in Tehillim. Rav Amon Bezak suggests something beautiful. He says, "Why is this so? Why are the words awkward? Why are they phrased improperly? Why does Shmuel seem to trip over his own words?" Just in Chaf Aleph alone. What's going on? Again, is you're taking the greatest of speakers. He's not... Rabbi Zach says this speech is actually written in Shmuel's own words. It could be that David Amal borrows words from here and sticks them into later. There is a method of Tanakh, says Rabbi Zach, that the words are in... We have staccato speeches in, in, in Chumash. It's to give us the flavor and the mood of the person speaking. What Shmuel is trying to show is he's pained. Not pained for himself, but he's pained for the people. He's sad because the Jewish people seem to have missed their mark once again. And perhaps suggests of Amnon Bazak one more answer. Why the rain? Why talk about the rain? Because rain is all about timing. And Shmuel is saying to the people, your request is also was poorly timed. A king? It's okay. The Torah says there'll be a king, but he timed it poorly. And he asked at the wrong time. When you ask at the wrong time, someone comes and asks when the teacher, the parent, is in a bad place, a bad mood. They're not in a good. They're not in a good moment, and they're like they ask for something, and the parent, the teacher, loses it. What you asked was fine, but not in his right time. Rain is a blessing, but it is only a blessing if it comes when 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 it's proper and, and the right time. 
אחירו את השם ועבדתם אותו באמת בכל לבכם, כי ראו את אשר גדילו עמכם. שמואל סזלס, אני מגיב לכם את ה-best God, תהיו באמת ובכל לבכם, תהיו את פולי ופרפר, ותראו איך שגוד יפלט אתכם. אם הרייה תראו, גם אתם גם מלכיכם תפו. Shmuel is saying, I'm not retiring. I want you to know that. I'm not retiring, but I am retiring. I'm retiring, but I'll always be there to support you. It is a very, very important message. Rabbi Zak, in his own words, Shmuel did not deliver a cold and distant speech plan out in advance in an orderly fashion. Rather, he spoke in the depth of his heart with the unique emotionality of a worried leader who fears that That his entire life's project will be lost. Remember what we said at the beginning. Is this about his personal feelings or is it an ideology? Shmuel says, I built up this, I built up this whole society that was worshiping God. I would hate for it to be a, a, a house of cards. Pull one piece out and the whole thing comes down. Shmuel says, I, can't, I cannot allow that to happen. I've invested too much of myself in that for that to happen. And so Shmuel speaks so much from the depths of his heart with the hope and the prayer that the Jewish people won't mess up. But he also says, don't, don't think I'm leaving. No, I'll, I'm here for you and I will be here for you. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful week. And keep walking in the ways of the prophets.